So what happens when you've reached the 100 of just about anything? Why, you celebrate. The Quick Heads podcast you're about to enjoy is the 100th of this series. Started a couple of months ago, thought, you know what? Would it be cool to do a shorter podcast for those that have uh, maybe a little less time or for topics that can be covered in a little less recording? That's what I decided to do, create the Quick Hits series. We've covered a lot of things over the past couple of months. I have found that the Quick Hits format is appropriate for dealing with breaking news or recent news, a way to comment on it in such a way that some interesting questions are raised, some interesting points are made, and it gives you a chance to think about things. The feedback so far on the Quick Hits has been very, very positive, and for that, I thank you. So here's to the first hundred, and here's to the next hundred. Today's video is brought to you by my latest book, When Religion Kills, a look at how the so-called faithful in many religions advocate murder in the name of their God. Buy it today. Just click on the link in the text portion of this podcast. So what will a Biden presidency look like in terms of our fight against terrorism? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, and you're listening to Quick Hits. Recording this on the 8th of November, 2020, and I'm pretty sure that unless you've been hiding under a rock for the past week or so, you're aware that we have a new U.S. president. Joseph Biden defeated Donald Trump after what seemed to be an interminable couple of days with vote counts very close and controversy over over which votes would, would be included and which would not. Of course, Donald Trump has not conceded the presidency yet, but everybody and his uncle now realizes that Joe Biden is, in fact, the 46th, I believe, U.S. president. As this is a podcast not about politics or U.S. policy, but rather terrorism, I thought I'd take a bit of a look at what the Biden presidency might mean for terrorism and U.S. approaches to it. Suffice to say, I've not been very impressed with Donald Trump's approach to terrorism since he was elected president back in 2016. He erroneously said that Islamic State or ISIS had been defeated in 2019. Of course, it has not. In fact, it's coming back somewhat stronger in Iraq and Syria, not to mention the various affiliates around the world. He's also engaged in peace talks with the Taliban in Afghanistan, the Taliban being a terrorist group. And I have come out publicly not in favor of that particular move, albeit recognizing that what the Americans should or should not do, as well as what the West in general should or should not do in Afghanistan, is very, very complicated. There is no simple solution to it. And there have been other things that Donald Trump has been done and said and promised to do, which strike me clearly as, as counterproductive. I'm not going to go into the whole drone airstrike debate. I covered that at some length in my second to last book, An End to the War on Terrorism, and I will not repeat the arguments there. I just highly recommend you take a look at that book. So what about Biden? What do we know about Biden's approach to the problem of terrorism? I was able to extract a few things from a foreign policy speech he gave back in July of 2019, so about a year and a half ago. And terrorism was one of many things that were covered in this speech. And I will limit myself to those. But I also want to point out that that was a year and a half ago. A lot can happen, not just between now and January when Biden takes office, 
but as well as at any time in the presidency. Was it UK Prime Minister Harold Macmillan who famously said what worries him and what makes him think about things? It's events, dear boy, events. There's no question that things will happen over the course of the Biden presidency, be it one term or two, which will force the president and his advisors to change their minds, adopt a different tack, do things they'd rather not do. That's the nature of events. But what particularly did this speech on foreign policy give us at least a, a bit of a semblance of an idea as to what the new president will do? Here's a few extracts. Number one, he said he's going to end what he called the horrific practice of separating families at U.S. borders and holding immigrant children in for-profit prisons. And he pledges to cooperate with Canada and Mexico to increase security at the border. Similarly, he says he will terminate the ban against people from Muslim-majority countries coming to the United States. Both of these Trumpian policies were uh, racist. They did not improve U.S. security. Contrary to what the, the former president said, all the people from Mexicans were not all murderers and rapists, and not all Muslims were terrorists. Ergo, Biden's promise to end both policies suggests a return to a more normal U.S. immigration system. And frankly, terrorist groups like Islamic State, like Al-Qaeda and others, will no longer be able to use these moves as proof in their eyes that America is in fact Islamophobic and that America hates Islam. Now, interestingly, the decision to ban these two policies, rather to, to cease implementing them, may give some succor and some initiative, some oxygen to far-right groups in the United States. We're all aware there are white nationalists, there are white supremacists, there are neo-Nazis, and they may view uh, the Biden administration's decision to lift these bans as sort of feeding what they perceive is the problem. Because, of course, white supremacist groups do not want immigration. They don't want more Mexicans. They don't want more Muslims. They want to maintain what they see is a should be a pristine white state. In other words, I think we have to watch this space in terms of domestic extremism, domestic terrorism in the United States, which is orders of magnitude bigger than the foreign-based terrorism threat and has been for quite some time. So we'll see what happens. Biden also said that he will never hesitate to protect the American people, including when necessary by using force. We have the strongest military in the world, he says, and he will ensure that it remains that way. Now, this is interesting. It suggests that the president will not hesitate to use the U.S. military, again, to protect their people and to protect U.S. interests. Does that mean a continuation of a military-dominant approach to terrorism, i.e. drone strikes and airstrikes? Probably. After all, the Obama administration made wide use of both tactics. Trump continued along the same pathway, despite the fact that drone strikes and airstrikes are on the one hand effective and on the other hand actually feed terrorism. I guess this is something else we'll have to wait and see if the U.S. military remains the number one approach to doing counterterrorism, which, as I argued again in my previous book, uh, is, is actually not very accurate. You want the military to play a background role, not a primary role. At least that's my opinion. Most importantly, Biden says he will end the so-called forever wars in Afghanistan and the Middle East, which he says have cost us untold blood and treasure. He will bring the troops home from Afghanistan. He will narrow the focus onto Islamic State and Al-Qaeda and he will end support for the Saudi-led war in Yemen. So what does all this mean? 
Well, in terms of Afghanistan, it seems that the new president will do the exact same thing that Trump has been doing in trying to bring U.S. forces back from that country, albeit leaving the keys to the store in the hands of the Taliban, which is a terrorist group. And you probably heard my podcast with Cameron Bukhari a couple of weeks ago in which we talked about how, in essence, a very understandable U.S. policy, foreign policy of bringing back U.S. forces, which, of course, feed terrorism in Afghanistan, will mean that Afghanistan will devolve, return to a terrorist state under the Taliban. So on the one hand, yes, it's good that American forces will not be seen as a casus belli, as a reason for terrorism, but the withdrawal of U.S. and other forces will simply open the door to a veritable terrorist group taking over again. Bottom line, Afghanistan's not going to get any safer anytime soon. So I understand the, this, this need to end a so-called forever war, but I fear there's more war in Afghanistan in the future. Great idea that he should end support for the Saudis in Yemen. The Saudis have been engaged in massive human rights violations in Yemen, pretending that somehow the Houthis, uh, which are a Shia group, which do receive Iranian support, is some, some existential threat to Saudi Arabia. They're, they're not. So I applaud Biden's move to end support for the Saudis in Yemen. Yemen, too, is is has been on the precipice of disaster for a very long time. It's one of the poorest countries in the area. And I don't see any sunny future for that country, but at least the Americans, and I would add Canada as well, should not be supporting Saudi moves in, in Yemen. It's causing a lot more suffering than it's doing any good. Last but not least is that Biden says he would re-enter the nuclear agreement with Iran. He would renegotiate it, albeit he says he'd use hard-nosed diplomacy and support from U.S. allies to strengthen and extend the treaty while more effectively pushing back against Iran's other destabilizing activities. Again, two thumbs up from me. I think that Iran has been erroneously portrayed as the number one terrorist threat in the world. And there's no question that Iran does have proxies in Iraq and in Lebanon and in Syria, which are terrorists in nature. But the Sunni Islamist threat is orders of magnitude bigger than the Iranian threat. That the Obama administration had negotiated a workable nuclear deterrence treaty with Iran was a good news story, which Trump stupidly threw out of the door basically on day one of his presidency. So the fact that Biden recognizes that he, that Obama, and of course he was vice president at the time, would uh, this was a good thing for us to do is a good move for the United States. I, I, I hardly support it, and, and hopefully the Americans with their allies will be able to negotiate an even better treaty with the Iranians to prevent that country from gaining nuclear weapons. There's a whole North Korea side as well, which Trump failed to make any progress with with his talks with the North Korean dictator. We'll have to see. All in all, uh, some good news here. It looks like the Biden administration will not treat terrorism as the existential threat, which it is not. That's that's indeed a very good uh, change. We have entered this, we've been in this post 9-11 period for, two gen for a generation now, 20 years in which we have been fed this lie that terrorism threatens us all at an existential level. It does not. The only countries that suffer to that extent from terrorism are places like Afghanistan. The United States doesn't, Canada doesn't, no Western ally suffers a threat from terrorism in which we should throw, throw all other things out and focus solely on that particular menace. I wish the Biden administration well. I hope it goes, I hope they, they do things that are necessary. I'm certainly looking forward to the end of the Trump administration for a whole host of reasons. And in terms of where this takes us on, in terms of the fight against terrorism, 
I guess we'll have to wait and see. Maybe I'll do another podcast in four years' time at the end of the Biden presidency and give them a bit of a report card. Anyhow, that's how I see things. What do you think? Do you think Biden and his administration will do the right things when it comes to terrorism? Do you think the Trump administration was successful in their battle against this scourge? Drop me a line. You can reach me at email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on Facebook and on LinkedIn. If you like this content and want to hear more of it, simply go to my website, borealisthreatenedrisk.com, hit the subscribe button, provide your email address, you'll get a free daily digest of all the blogs, podcasts, interviews, etc. First thing in the morning to your inbox, free of charge. I'd love to hear from you. Feedback on this podcast as others, as well as ideas for future ones. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.